Here we are again, staring into the sun. That's it's been doing. a little bit, my brother. Yes, staring he's staring. Into the sun. <laughs> For those of us on YouTube, which we encourage you to find us on YouTube, you can see our, our lovely faces here. Uh, we're so glad you joined us. This is Staring Into the Sun podcast, where we talk about matters of the head and the heart, faith and spirituality and psychology, and uh, talk about what can be found in the beautiful collision of the two. And uh, it's, we have really good conversations. Glad you're here to join us, my brother. So uh, you're joined by two brothers. So I'm uh, Dr. Rob Gibson. I'm a licensed psychologist, and I'm joined by my brother here. I am not doctor. Uh, I'm Reverend. No. <laughs> Someday, maybe. I'm uh, Reverend John Gibson, Pastor John Gibson uh, from Ohio. And yeah, the other part of the duo here. I'm excited to talk about what God might show us and what our wisdom from the doctor might reveal to us about some mm -hmm. relational things today. But before we do, we're glad that you're here, uh, whether it's on YouTube, right. uh, whether you find us on Facebook, in the Insta or the Gram. I don't even know what to call that because I'm too old. Uh, I don't know. Wherever we are, I hope you find your way here. And we would love for you to right now, wherever you are, click that subscribe button. Uh, you can get notified when we drop new videos. We've been a little thin during the summer. We're going to, it's been busy. Everybody's summer is busy. Uh, we drop videos here and there, but in the fall, we'll be a lot more consistent. And that way you get notified. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, share. There. Let others know about the wonderful conversations we have here about the head and the heart. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and then you can also find me on on Twitter, uh, Dr. Robert Gibson. Um, and uh, I, you know, we'll make sure we've got our socials on the on the uh, on the show notes so you can connect with us. Those are probably the best ways to reach us. You can also reach us at Staring Into the Sun Podcast at gmail.com. But honestly, probably the best place is uh, through our socials um, uh, to give us suggestions for topics, input, uh, things you'd like us to cover in the future. We're very interested in uh, helping the community. Whether it's a faith community, whether it's a local community, around issues of psychology and spirituality, um, because uh, they're just vitally important to us all. And so, uh, yeah, engage with us. We'd be happy to hear from you. Yeah. So and we care about them, right. don't we? <laughs> we care about uh, what happens in those spaces for sure. It's what we've given our lives to, Absolutely. right, Rob? Yeah. Absolutely, and and that's why we're doing this too. So Good. to try to try to make the one way I think of it is I, I remember reading a. Uh, um, a blog about this, uh, and the guy introduced me to the word detritus, right? Which is a, a fun word, but it's kind of like the, kind of like the remnants or the, uh, or the, not remnants, but like the things that come out of effort and work, right? Yeah. Um, and and trying to make that available to other people, you know, uh, I myself, pretty much everything I do is with people in private. Um, and, and that all stays private, but there's also gold that comes from participating in people transform themselves and their lives about you know, wisdom and truth and things like that. And I, I think you would say something similar, uh, but in yeah. a different way as far as what happens on your end. And we're trying to bring those together for you, listener. Yeah. So glad you're a lot of times there's a lot of hard work that goes into those things that um, when that from the tension that arises from and the things that you learn in those places aren't always comfortable to go through on your own. And so I think a lot of times after our conversation, I think, man, that could really be helpful to someone who who maybe is just a little bit afraid of taking the step to to enter into the work of finding out some of these things that we're talking about. But the conversation that we have here, we re I really hope that they are just entry points for maybe you as a listener 
to enter in and go a little deeper in your own spiritual development and your own, um, you know, mental well-being, uh, like the just invitations to go a little further to be yeah. a little bit better you, you know, and uh, that's my hope through our conversations for sure. Yeah, that may, makes me think of a conversation I was having recently about uh, symbols and uh, somehow we were talking about graduations and you know how like over COVID graduations got shifted to this type of format on Zoom or something. And, and, and it got me thinking about how when you were just talking there, how you can take an idea that it could make sense to you, but it has to be incarnated. Right. That, that's a word I'm borrowing from, from your theology. This is something <laughs> Christians believe about Jesus being God incarnated in human flesh. Right. And I think the graduation process is similar. You take this idea that I've accomplished something or I finished and I have passed over between previous me, which was an undergrad and current me, which is a graduate. And that idea really like finds its best expression when we incarnate it, when we do some sort of ceremony that's mind, body, spirit, right? We put it all together and, and, and enact it. And uh, humans have been doing this as long as we've existed, I would imagine. And it's a reason why I think, you know, uh, high schoolers and college students struggled over COVID with these transitions. Because yeah, it's man. Painful. So that's what we would hope for, for you as listener, that we might take something that's an idea and then you uh, and us, too, personally, would, would then figure out, OK, how do I make this real in my life, my body, my mind, my spirit? How do I go enact it somewhere? Yeah. So that, that's what we would hope flesh that on it. from that. You know, I love that yes. image. Such a beautiful image. Yeah. How do you make it real in your own life? And yes, yeah, good stuff. Which will be kind of tricky today because we're talking about chimps <laughs> and right? chumps. How, chimps yeah. and chumps. I'm, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> how, how do you how do you make uh, what you can learn about chimpanzees real for you? So hold on to your to your and, seats and folks. something spiritual. I'm... How, how are we gonna I'm so do this? excited. Yeah. Well, lead us on, Rob. Okay. If it's horrible, I'm just going to leave you hanging. So, hey, you know, so uh, uh, Pastor John and I have wanted to talk about relationships this summer. And uh, so uh, today we're going to talk about what you can learn from chimps about relationships. And I, I think it really has to do with uh, we'll talk about relational leadership uh, or and I don't mean like leadership in the sense of necessarily, but you could apply it to this like leadership of, you know, I'm in charge of a church or a business or whatever. I mean, more like if you're trying to take the lead in a relationship to, to help go some direction, what is the most effective way to engage in that? And I think uh, that's where I thought of chimps. OK, so I'll, I'll, I'll point everybody to the reference. Um, so I was listening to a podcast. Uh, um, I think it was like, a last, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago. And I, I want to find the, um, the name of the podcast so that you can have it. But basically, it was between a psychologist that I respect and he was speaking with. Um, I think it was a it was a, a animal researcher by the name of where is it? Oh, it is. Uh, Franz de Waal or Franz de Waal. He's I want to be named Franz. Dutch... Yes, Franz. <laughs> Franz. Speaking Hans of chimps, Franz. you know. <laughs> I know. That's totally what I thought well, about. Sorry. <laughs> so he's a Dutch primatologist and ethologist, right? This is on uh, the Jordan Peterson podcast. Um, but something uh, that I took from there that I thought was really cool that I thought would be good for us to kind of play with here. So uh, he's talking about, uh, the, the primatologist was talking about different ways that chimpanzees exert dominance and become the alpha in the pack, right? 
Um, and, and there may be other ways, but the two ways I heard from what he was talking about was you have one way, which is asserting physical dominance. So the strongest, most powerful ape will duke it out with any other male to assert dominance. Okay. And the way that that leadership works is you, you invoke fear and respect for your capability to dominate anyone else. Hmm. And this works as long as you maintain dominance and, uh, which requires ongoing fear and violence and aggression uh, to maintain dominance. And it really works. This is kind of like, you know, the prototypical like dictator, you know, like somebody who asserts dominance by fear and intimidation. Um, and you might see that in Stalin or Hitler, or you might see that in your, uh, I don't know, maybe your local pastor uh, sometimes I think happens <laughs> yeah, this right. way. Yeah. Um, so, or oh, your boss or something like that. Uh, right. Yeah. So, um, and a key about that is it requires ongoing fear in the people around you to perpetuate it. And the risk of the lead uh, chimp is that you're only as successful as you can maintain that fear. As soon as two other guys get together and take you out, you're done. Yeah. Right. And he compared that over and against th There's another way that chimps become alpha, which is really interesting. Uh, it doesn't have to be the biggest chimp either. There can be a chimp that figures out how to cooperate. And what that means is, is he'll, he'll support the underdog. He'll offer gifts. Uh, he'll be Ooh, supportive. And collect <laughs> well, you know, you could see that as sneaky, but I think, you know, we can also see that as like, it's a very effective way to, to build collaboration, right? Mm. I'm going to lead by cooperating. And uh, those, those chimps can also lead a pack through cooperation because they create bonds of connection or okay. community. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I've been thinking about that and my encounter and relationships and also, frankly, asking myself, you know, this dual way of, of engaging in relationship, I can engage by exerting power and dominance, uh, you know, the, you know, authoritarian parenting would be an example of this, or I can engage in collaboration, helping the underdog, um, trying to cooperate in some way where I, I help somebody with what they need. So they help me with what I need. That's another way of leading in relationship. And the outcomes are very different. One is fear and trepidation. The other, I think, is a, is a connection or a community. Um, so that, that's the general concept. And, and I found myself when I was listening, I was like, I wonder if that has any roots in, uh, in any theological tradition or um, uh, as far as, you know, if, if the faith would have anything to say about these kind of dual modes of dominance versus cooperating. So yeah. I wanted to pick your brain about it. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is that there's the, really the Bible is kind of separated. I think if you if you were to take the Bible for what it is and maybe not have a lot of, you know, um, deep understanding about what's going on and who God is and, you know, theological perspective. If you take it at face value, you would say, I think you could say like the Old Testament is a very um, domineering version of God. Where there's this authoritarian um, God, the father who is in many ways, um, working with his people uh, through fear and motivation in that way, like don't sin or these things are going to happen, do what I say, or these things are going to happen. Um, and then you have this image of God in the New Testament, whereas Jesus, in a very real way, is coming down alongside of us. It's God coming from heaven, like you said, in flesh. He, he incarnated himself next to us and with us. He lived life alongside of us, invited us to journey with him in life. I, I think so you have, uh, as you were talking, I was like, oh, wow, that's 
There's these two images of who God is, an Old Testament and a New Testament version. Now, unpack that a little further, um, and, and, you know, we could talk about this more, but I, I don't think that authoritarian leadership is always what human, humanity maybe has made it to be a broken um, image yeah. of um, overthrowing power. I, I think maybe there's some conversation around what what versions of authoritarian leadership can be healthy, you know, where I, I do have an awe and respect of someone who is in a place of authority over me, you know, and authority. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think maybe around the language might be like, when we think of authoritarian, we think of like the dictator um, or domineering by fear and dominance and you'll do what I say or, or I will make you do it. Um, and as opposed to, and I think that's where maybe, uh, kind of thinking about, uh, I would agree with you that the perception is is that Old Testament is this domineering God mm. and New Testament is now this, you know, loving, forgiving God and that they're two different ones. And I think that's 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 maybe this laying itself over top of our interpretation of the Old and New Testament. Um, I, I would imagine I, I'd have to spend some time reflecting on it. But I think um, I think if, if Christians believe it's the same God, then that would be a problem right as mm-hmm. far as you know yep. we're gonna we're gonna discard the old testament because that's an authoritarian dictator um maybe maybe we need to reconsider what that means um but i think your point like that if if we then say strong leadership is uh is always bad it's like well it depends on what what is happening and i would say in the second scenario with the chimps you know that there's strong leadership there that that's an that's an effective use of force in a sense but it's through collaboration instead of fear yep. and dominance and and uh so yeah yeah uh, and we have to we i think we do have to be careful with our perspectives you know and and diving just a little deeper you know jesus makes some pretty radical statements that if you the disciples were like well we want to see god we want to see god and jesus makes this radical statement in the new testament uh one of the gospels that well if you've seen me you've seen the father like jesus is the complete representation he is the the complete picture of who god is so therefore if jesus is the picture of who god is then maybe our perception of who god is in the old testament isn't right on our end you know or or the jews who lived in the ancient world and experienced and wrote down their experiences with god in the old testament so but i think that's valid too you know our our perception of how someone leads isn't always the same as how they are leading and maybe our experience in life or the way that we encounter or interact with you know going back to your chimp exercise or your chimp example maybe you know the the other chimps who are experiencing this domineering presence it's not just about the reality of that domineering it's also about the experience of the chimps who are underneath that authority you know maybe they've had past experiences with other painful powerful people in their life that kind of put them in a place where they just assume that yeah you know i think perception is a part of how we relate to a relationship for sure too it's not always just this is it it's i think there's two parts of it does that make sense i think yeah yeah well absolutely And, and i think well that's where this issue of power comes into play is needing to have humility with our use of power in relationships so the one the person who collaborates I think they understand that, uh, that, well, there's some humility in the person who collaborates because they understand uh, something like their capacity to be wrong. Mm. Um, So I think that's an important part of it. And then the other part I would attach is 
which I also draw drew from this uh, that I was listening to is that you know we we have options. We can prioritize the relational experience right in the moment. And if, if our goal is to win that one, we might lean towards exerting power in a dominant way, uh, a power against someone. One of my colleagues talks about this power for versus power against. Mm. Um, but if you're thinking about the idea that you're going to have multiple relational encounters with this person over time, then your strategy would need to be different, right? Um, and, and you would think about something like using your power for somebody in collaboration instead of against them. Um, so I, I think a, maybe a practical example would be useful here. I, I think uh, parenting or, or working with small children is often a really good example of this. You know, if, if a child is engaging in, in a, like an unpleasant behavior, like they're doing something really annoying, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if we're trying to win in the moment, Actually, the quickest way to get somebody to stop might be to display uh, enough force to where they back down. Now, some children will push you really far in this. <laughs> so uh, some children will go toe to toe with you. But other children honestly will acquiesce immediately to displays of physical dominance. It could even just be a look. Right. And that will win you their silence or their behavior change in the moment. However, if your strategy is, I, I want to have a relationship with, it, with my child where they respect me and they, they believe that I'm, I'm trying to do my best by them and I want them to be able to make as many good choices as possible into the future, then I might want to consider a different approach because it might be important that they respect me later. Whereas if I just exert power, the only thing that keeps them in line is their fear of me, which means I always have to exert enough power to make them afraid of me which means, well, what happens when they're a teenager and they start to discover that they don't have to do what you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Right. <laughs> Some kids discover You don't early. scare me anymore. <laughs> like the, the moment dad realized that I, I was stronger than he was. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the strategy then would have to shift. But by then it might be too late to shift it. Whereas it's in the moment, how do I work with you and collaborate with you so that you might choose the best behavior here, that you might see that it's in your best interest to choose the best behavior. And that's through collaborating. That's through trying to understand. We can talk about some of the practicals, but that's through, I I think, in a sense, loving someone. Um, Mm -hmm. That leads to, I think, a longer term connection and community that actually works in the long run. And I think so there's an element that comes to mind, too, that we have to determine are we committed to the relationship that that we're referring to? You know, are we, are we committed to long-term relationship or, or community? You know, we've been talking about that a lot here at Living Hope uh, this past month, just to have have done a series on what is community? Why do we need it? uh, How do we have it? What are the obstacles from engaging in it? And I, I think it's a question that kind of keeps coming to the surface is how do you, how do you decide what are the relationships that are, these relationships you're going to be invested in and committed to long term, you know, and we we interact in relationships every moment of every day, whether it's work or, you know, family or friends or just, a, you know, people we pass by my, ourselves, yeah. you know, God, you know, so if it's if it's not a relationship that we're committed to then it really throws out the window in the moment how we respond because we we really don't we don't engage with with in, having in mind that there's going to be some future interaction that this is going to play out like this action here is going to affect me somehow later 
because I don't have the mindset that, wow, this is a committed, invested relationship that I have. You know, and I think we do have a dysfunction sometimes in our modern world where we have lots of superficial relationships, or I don't know a word to describe those, where we don't necessarily, we're in relationship with them all the time, but we don't necessarily see them as communal or uh, invested. And maybe we do that because we've been hurt before by invested relationships, by a domineering person. Maybe we do that because we're insecure about somebody seeing actually who we are. And I think there's lots of things that keep us from entering into those deeper committed relationships or communal relationships, I like to call them, within the church. But That's kind of an interesting thing for me, or for I think maybe for us to chat around a little bit as well, is why, why do we sometimes default to not having committed relationships or entering into deeper relationships where and maybe it kind of keeps us erring on the side of just you know defaulting to dominance and power because i want to win right now like in this present reaction interaction with you rather than investing the time it takes to actually have something deeper yeah well i would i would suggest a couple possibilities and make a plug right so if you really want to investigate this for yourself uh find someone to go deep with you to ask these oh. questions. Why am I avoiding this? Whether that's yeah. your pastor or therapist, this is what we do in therapy all the time is why is this happening? But a couple of things come to mind of why, why I might avoid engaging in collaboration and instead just exert power in the moment. And that power doesn't have to be, I don't know, the prototypical male chimp dominance, right? Uh, so males, females, of the human species, right? We use power dominance in a lot of ways. We use stonewalling where we just will cut off and not engage. That's as powerful as being very dominating and verbally abusive or something. So they have different effects, but they're both uses of pretty strong power yeah. that, that, like you said, keep us from engaging in deeper relationships. So why might I do that? Well, I think I think one of one of the considerations I have is that um, I think you were tapping into it is if if I have pain or injury, uh, opening up to somebody is actually what I need because I need you know care for that injury, and we're, we're because of life experiences or whatever might happen in our life, we have this fear that if we do that, it's going to hurt worse. And so it's much easier to to defend against that pain and act like we're fine or dominate other people. Um, you know, th- these you know we do all sorts of behaviors to avoid what's happening inside of us. And usually that's we're experiencing pain and we're experiencing need. Um, and to engage authentically would be to open up yourself up to the risk that somebody could make a choice not to show up for you. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the, one of the reasons we, we do this where we, you know, we, we use dominance or we cut off instead of engaging in community is to protect ourselves from our own pain. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I see it all the time. I, and I, and I think it's a reason that we, in whether it's with an individual, you know, we, this past Sunday, we talked about accountability, these individual mm-hmm. relationships within the greater community where we are going even deeper to a place where we not only are in our um, co- in cooperative relationship, but we're inviting someone else to then speak about our own weakness, you know, or or to talk, uh, you know. So it's even deeper place of like vulnerability because now I'm no, right. I'm not just trusting you, but I'm also revealing something that is broken 
about myself or and allowing you to speak to me even about it maybe some things that i don't even see about myself but i do that and we do that because it's built on a foundation that i believe that person is as committed and invested to my relationship with them as as i am to them does that make sense so it's a journey where you begin to establish a trust that i know you're as invested in me as i am in you and that's actually, I think I want to make two points about that. The first one is, is that takes a lot of work, oh, right? Gosh, yeah. And I think if we're to be honest with ourselves, we tend to not want to do work like that, uh, to take responsibility for showing up for somebody else. Um, we, like it's just much easier not to, it's much easier to have the veneer of connection, like through social media or something than to have real connection where now I'm responsible to you because that then puts me at great risk because then I'm accountable to you. And I think this is my second point is if I'm accountable to you, but I'm deathly afraid of the truth that's underneath the hood, that I might be broken or there might be something bad about me, or I might be a, a, a mean person sometimes. If I'm afraid of that reality, then I won't engage with accountability. I'll act like everything's fine and, and treat you like I like everything's fine with me too. And so I would want to be far from accountability because the idea that there's something wrong with me would be too painful to touch. Um, And this is kind of the the word for it in clinical circles would be like a narcissistic injury. Um, And that essentially means is I, I have a wound to my being and the way that I care for it is acting like I'm fine. Um, and encouraging everybody else to see me like I'm fine and good. Um, and that's, that's the enemy of accountability. Yeah. Accountability draws you right into that. And what, and the reality of what you just described there, what's the truth though of, you may act like you're fine, but you have a mortal mm-hmm. wound, right? And you have a brokenness in you that is destroying you. And the, the destructive tendency of, of, I believe, all human beings is we always take the path of least resistance, right? Which generally leads us to status quo. We don't want anything that creates tension or invites uh, vulnerability or the, the opening up of being wounded. But And this is a deeply spiritual principle too, though, but the only pathway to our best selves, the best version of ourselves, our wholest selves, is through that process of vulnerability like we, we will never down yeah. into the grave you will Jesus you will live away, right? yeah you will live with that brokenness that you act like is not there your whole life and it will destroy you and you will have never experienced the fullness of the life you were created to live i believe that god created you for if you live in the status quo if you default to the path of least resistance and live in superficial relationships all the while knowing deep down that you are desperately disconnected and you you don't have what you need and and you just keep on layering and convincing yourselves of the lie that you're just fine and you're yeah. just okay and blaming other people oh gosh it, why it's a aren't. horrible cycle yeah. of, of destructive behavior but and and this is a huge boundary and i see it again in my experience in the church i see it because it keeps people and they make all kinds of excuses why they're not connecting. You know, I'm busy, you know, and eventually it becomes, well, nobody, I can't connect with anybody because nobody's reached out to me. Nobody's made the effort to be my friend. You know, I, I don't have any people who, who identify with me or have my same circumstances that I like connect with. And I mean, people make all kinds of excuses of why they don't take a step to live into deep community. And I think the simple reality is just because it's hard. Like you said, it's hard. It requires work, you know. 
but but nothing in life no, nothing in life worth having is like easy either uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of like cheap cliches around oh. that idea well there's <laughs> right? well not just cheap cliches but like every epic story of fiction generally will have some sort of hero journey or transformational journey where somebody right. goes into the depths and into the darkness or into the grave and finds themselves and then transforms um, that, you know, we, we, uh, we idolize these stories. And uh, there's a reason for that is because we've overall of human history, that's like, that is the way the other ways don't work. Um, and, and I think that's, it's kind of what I'm thinking about here in terms of going back to the chimps is like, you know, we can choose a short term way uh, of asserting dominance. And I think if you look around you in communities or in our broader communities in our culture, there's been a lot of asserting dominance um, and blaming one side or blaming the other, red versus blue, uh, this country versus that, whatever. There's a lot of asserting dominance and you can see where that gets us. Uh, it dehumanizes us. Whereas when we collaborate, when we engage in relationship, which means that I might have to look at some of my junk uh, and but then on the other end of that, I've got the, the best likelihood for connection into the future with other people, whether that's your romantic relationship, your, your child uh, rearing and your parenting, uh, your community and your church, friendships, family, whatever it is, um, making a choice towards collaborating instead of asserting dominance um, is, is a step in a direction for connection. Um, now, play that out into details we encourage you as a listener you know that that takes some time to figure out what that means and your unique situation uh, that is not like just a you know blanket recommendation on what you do but i i would encourage you to consider it your relationships in this paradigm like is this a dominant relationship based in fear is this a relationship i want to be based in collaboration and vulnerability um and uh connection and that you know I, make a conscious choice about what you want in your relationships is what I would encourage people. Yeah, that's so good. Something that came to mind as you were just saying, saying there, I know we're wrapping up, but that, 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 that dominant relationship, really, the, the end goal of dominance is to maintain status quo. Yeah, I mean, think yeah. about it for that chimp. Like he, he asserts power uh-huh. because he doesn't want anything to change. Now he uh-huh. doesn't, regardless of whether his relationships are dysfunctional or not, all the, his main priority is to, to maintain status quo. His, right. And his own flourishing, That's his right. own flourishing or what he else's. perceives as his own flourishing. That's an important point to make. Uh-huh. It's actually uh-huh. not his own flourishing because he has no real relationship right. with anybody else. It's right. a manipulated actually, relationship, you know, you're right. And, yeah. and actually they found this, this is from the podcast too, but interesting. Interestingly, the female chimps, you would assume that primarily all the offspring are from that main uh, alpha chimp. But what they found after doing a uh, um, paternity studies is that the, the, <laughs> the female chimps found work their beards. way around it. Yeah, they, they work their way around it. Yes. Yeah, they didn't want to pass on that DNA, right? That's, isn't that funny? It's not his best life. He's not accomplishing what he no. hopes to accomplish, you know? And yeah. boy, that's true for us. And it ought to be a challenge for, I know it's a challenge for me. I hope it is for you as a listener, is what is the end goal of your relationships? Is it to maintain your status Ooh. quo? Are you are you engaged in relationships with people who, who say the same things uh, that you think all the time? 
time so that you're, you never have tension, you never have discomfort? And when you do, do you shun the people who think differently than you or who call you to account or make you feel uncomfortable? You know, is that, are those the, the majority of your relationships? Or, you know, do you have some collaborative relationships where you're, you're centered, you're grounded and founded, I like to say, on, on people who are in, as invested in your well-being as you are in them? And that you're working towards a trust where you can uh, rely on them to maybe see some things about you that you couldn't even see about yourself, you know. And mm-hmm. and again, that takes time and that takes work and it's vulnerable. I think that 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 word always kind of strikes fear in my heart because the the root of vulnerable is the Latin word vulna. It means to wound. You know, to be vulnerable, I have to open myself up to being wounded, and that's a risk. But is it, uh, we believe, I think through talking, that it's a risk worth taking with the right people, you know? And, yeah, you're, and we talk yeah, about that every target. episode too. Like, right. let's make sure we're saying very clearly, we, we want to find the right people. I, I happen to be of the belief, and we talked about this this past Sunday, that one of the healthy principles of, of real and safe accountability is that it starts with being invested in the same uh, like life purpose you know on Sunday we talk yeah. as from a Christian perspective is are you engaging in accountability relationships with other people who are following Jesus it begins with someone who who sees life the same way that you do with the same authority in your life and then the next principle was are you in a committed relationship then are you both committed to one another to not leave the room in conflict you know um, and then is it reciprocal you know I think that's that was the third principle we talked about for healthy accountability invested committed and reciprocal is the person that you're engaging in a little deeper relationship with are they reciprocating that same process with yeah. you you know like are they asking you to speak into their life and right. um, yeah and the, the fruit of that would be flourishing Yes. Are, are yes. people flourishing around you or yeah. are people feeling dominated and subjugated? And, yeah. and that's a good fruit of, of where you're at. So, so good. Beautiful stuff, man. Yeah. Virtual high five. That was yeah. Fantastic. Wish we didn't have to wrap up, brother. <laughs> I know. That was great talking. So. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, listener, for joining us. I encourage you to take this with you. Uh, think about your relationships uh, in, in this context and, and uh, wake up to your relationships and make yeah. some conscious decisions about what you're doing. And, Don't be a chump, uh, man. Have good relationships. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and also, uh, join us next time. So we'll be back here again. Uh, we'll, we'll share it out on social so you can check us out or subscribe on your podcast or YouTube. Join us next time as we continue engaging with the head and heart and uh, staring into the sun. Grace and peace, everybody. God is like the sun. Sun.